Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Changing a corporate culture can feel daunting, but the first step is to try something that feels like it'll point you in the right direction, measure the results, and repeat. Start small, but do it fast and repeat it often. Be open and honest about the success or failure of the small steps. Try again if you have to. Many small steps will add up quick and the positive momentum will result in real change. The key takeaway, there are always more ways to improve your culture. Set yourself up to overcome hurdles by taking small incremental steps. Measure the results and repeat. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Is your startup financially fit? Join 10,000 entrepreneurs across Canada building financial foundations with Intuit QuickBooks. Attend a Startup Foundations workshop online or in a startup community near you and receive a free one-year subscription to QuickBooks Online. Visit www.startupcan.ca forward slash finance today to register. Get paid faster. Create and send professional email invoices in minutes with PayPal. Join over 250,000 Canadian businesses using PayPal to accept payments. Get started today at www.paypal.ca forward slash small business. A real entrepreneur with a gourmet burger business, serving up real questions with a dash of reality. He's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. And now broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, don't forget to visit the iTunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I am your host, Rivers Corbett, founder and CEO of Coaching by Rockstars. Ever thought about a career as a business coach? Coaching by Rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch. Visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is going to be a cool conversation on the Startup Canada podcast. I'm Rivers Corbett, your host, and our guest today is Swishus Swish. You notice I said his name fast in the beginning because I wanted to respect him by saying his name, coming with the name Rivers. We always want people to respect the uniqueness, but it's Swish Goswami. He's a 19-year-old serial entrepreneur. And this is the absolute truth because I saw him receive this award, the 2016 winner of the Startup Canada Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. Swish is a sophomore at the University of Toronto, studying peace, conflict, justice studies, and 
ethics, society, and law. Swish is a TEDx and United Nations speaker, Canada's UN youth ambassador, and an award-winning entrepreneur who has started seven, that's right, seven hockey stick with a high impact, we have high impact ventures. Over his young life, he's built an incredible personal brand that revolves around his businesses, speaking, investing, social media following, and writing for both publications in and books. And as I said uh, earlier, I saw a switch to receive his well-deserved reward at the Startup Canada Awards in Toronto, and he uh, his acceptance speech was epic. In today's speech podcast, we're going to find out what it takes to be a young social entrepreneur on the brink of, sorry, Swish, but the script says you're going to become a Canadian legend. So uh, (laughs) welcome to the show. We'll see about that. Thank you so much. Happy to be on. <laughs> right on. Well, I, no, man, not see about it. There's expectations now. This is a coast to coast podcast. So uh, uh, it's all good. And we know you're doing magic and we'll keep on doing that for sure. Well, look, you were recently awarded with a Startup Canada Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award, uh, Plan Canada's Top 20 Under 20, and the United Nations Outstanding Youth Leadership Awards. I mean, really, man, it's an amazing list of accomplishments. You know, how do you, how do you, get to these awards and and once you get them what is what is what are you feeling inside or saying to yourself when you get those awards right um so i think firstly in terms of getting the awards i i don't think i ever had a blueprint plan for you know at this age i wanted this award at this age i want another one bravo Um, yeah I definitely, I definitely do seek out though areas for platforms to be able to elevate my voice on a number of issues that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. So whether that's youth entrepreneurship or social entrepreneurship or mental health, um, I feel like being able to win an award not only validates your claim that your life is a certain way. And for me, that's a life in entrepreneurship uh, that I can validate not only to myself, but also to my parents who are obviously always nervous for what I'm going to do. But I think it's also great that with an award comes not only a community you can now reach out to, but a network that can you know lift you up as well. And I think that's something that I've been able to see with Startup Canada with the amount of talent, not only within the organization, but the talent affiliated to it. Yes. Um, and so it's been incredible. That's, I think, one of the biggest things that it means to me is being able to have that platform to speak out on issues, being able to even do this podcast in the first place. Mm. All of this is an honor by itself. And it's something that can only come with the award, I think. Um, and I mean, you know, of course it, it doesn't only come sorry, with the award, but it's more likely to come with the award, I feel. Um, and so I think the award really doesn't mean a lot more than something you can hold. It's, it's honestly something that you can basically take with you wherever you go. Mm. And whether that be in an interview or whether that be in a meeting, um, those are the things that I benefit from. Um, in terms of what they mean for me though, as I said in my, you know, award speech, um, acceptance speech, sorry, I, I do definitely think that this just validates my claim to young entrepreneurs that there are people out there, uh, there are adults out there specifically who are willing to recognize us, who are willing to work with us, who are willing to understand what our business is and what our entrepreneurial mindset is like, um, and that we only need to reach out and extend our hand and they'll definitely reciprocate. So these awards have all 
definitely validated my claim there and definitely allowed me to to speak on these issues a lot more broadly. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I can only imagine, too, they've, uh, as you said, they've opened up a lot of doors for you to continue on with that uh, process. And we, we, we talk a lot about personal branding on the podcast show, and I think that that's, that's being reinforced more and more with those types of awards is, the, is that helping you to build the credibility around the brand that you're building, not only for yourself, but your businesses, too. So uh, congratulations. It's just fantastic. So your first business was at, at the age of seven. Can you tell us about the, about your journey in entrepreneurship? And our staff does a great research job on people, as you can see. So uh, get ready. There's going to be some more coming. <laughs> uh, actually, so my, my first encounter with entrepreneurship came at a mistake my dad made, I feel. So <laughs> my dad is, uh, he's a director in an oil and gas company now, but he it was studying mechanical engineering throughout school. Um, and, you know, being not only a typical parent, I feel, but just, um, you know, a person who growing up sees an ambitious kid, obviously he wants to, you know, put me towards his path a bit and wants to be able to have those conversations regarding engineering with me. So at seven, he asked me if I wanted to build a hovercraft. Hovercraft. Um, a hovercraft, yes, a hovercraft. But it wasn't just a normal hovercraft. It's uh, basically a rechargeable and a remote-controlled hovercraft. Of course. And so, you know, you're seven years old, you're coming back home, your dad says this, you're not going to be like, no, dad, like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, so, I mean, we went out to the store, we bought a Havoc Heli, um, which is basically, you know, like a helicopter. It has a styrofoam base on it. It's rechargeable. It's it's uh, remote-controlled. It can operate for about eight minutes before you have to charge it or something like that. Um, what we did is we took the Havoc Heli we ripped off the styrofoam base. We kept the motor and the rotor, and then we took it and built another little styrofoam base and put the rotor right through, attached the motor on the side of the styrofoam base. We got an HMV plastic bed. It's like distinctly in my head. I can see yeah, the I, HMV. It totally is a distinctly in your head. <laughs> and we got it. We wrapped it around. And after a bit of testing, we built a remote control and recharge hovercraft that I was able to sell for $200. But I think the lesson out of all of this that my dad was trying to teach me is engineering is amazing. Mm. But the thing I came out with is I love selling things. <laughs> I love, <laughs> love it. Love it. So, so that was really my first encounter with entrepreneurship. And then after that, I mean, it was, it was, there's nothing that was going to hold me back, you know, whether it be going full force and creating a fake bank after that I charged my parents and my family members commission on or, or going towards and building a nonprofit or joining junior achievement. Uh -huh. um, it was just all of that was geared towards my ambition. And more importantly, my goal to be financially independent at the age of 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, um, which you know, I even feel right now I'm not financially independent, but I still have that like pressure that my parents are like, why? Why do you have that pressure on you? Like we're working our asses off in order to be able to support you. Uh, and I'm like, yeah, that's fair probably. So yeah. that, was, yeah, that was my first first experience with, with entrepreneurship there. Well, I'm, I'm interested in your JA experience. And uh, if you were the CEO of Junior Achievement for Canada, I'm curious as to what would be a major adjustment pivot, if you want to call it, that you would recommend to our friends at JA that they should do, given your success, given your experience, and this is coming with credibility as your answer, and obviously being a, a player in their game. So what, what do you, if, and there's a reason I'm asking this question, it's a personal reason, but uh, I'm, I'm curious as to your insight. Definitely. Um, and I mean, of course, this is something, firstly, I have an immense respect for the organization and the people there. Yeah. yeah. But 
I mean, just in terms of one critique, I would say is I'd, I'd wish that the, the, the company as a whole would allow for the young individuals participating to keep their venture going after one year. Mm, um, interesting. So I, I think they have to dissolve it after one year. Um, and of course, you know, like most of the money goes towards charitable events. Some of the money goes to JA. But I think it'd be incredible if we did something like the Next 36, which is a postgraduate yeah. program. Yeah, like something like that where you get to keep your venture after and you there's still a direct contact with the mentors because some of the companies created in JR are, are enormous and incredible ideas that, that can easily be capitalized upon even more if they allowed it to grow even more yeah. and then for more years. Yeah. Love it, man. And it's all about experiential learning. And uh yeah, you can't you can't stop it. You gotta allow it to continue to grow, whether warts and all, right? So uh, so good for you to suggest that. So you've you've uh, after your your hovercraft uh, business and it, it was did you make a profit i presume that the yes. hovercraft cost less than 200 uh, yes yes much much more like it was like 80 dollars or something like $80, that but how much was your yeah. how much did you uh, calculate in for your time how much per hour did you give yourself oh a lot more but i just <laughs> like getting 120 profits so. <laughs> nice yeah and you were having yeah. fun doing it and it's kind of cool that you you uh, you, you, get, you end up learning something your dad wasn't even yes. thinking about very cool okay. but then you jumped into startups uh, like Rafiki Media, the World Youth Fund, the Next Foundry, among others. Can you can you tell us, you know, how do you make the, this, this jump? Because seven organizations before the age of 19 is, is quite uh, an amazing feat. And not that you can't do it, but, you know, I would expect maybe one or two, given uh, the, uh, the, the, the work it takes to make that happen. So can you tell us as to how you jumped into all those and, and manage it? Right. Um, I mean, I think it all comes down again to my childhood, which was so much based on like, I'd wake up thinking I wanted to be one person. Like I'd, I'd wake up thinking like, I'm going to be a doctor this week. Um, and then the next <laughs> week I'd be like, Oh no, like race car driver sounds good too. Like maybe I'll go after that. And I think that's really who I am. Like I'm not indecisive, I don't think, but I'm a person who just wants to put my foot in as many places as possible. Um, of course, you know, I'm starting to grow into a mature individual that's practical about my time as well. And I understand that if I want to scale these businesses, Businesses. I can't focus all of them at once. Um, but at the same time, I think really like the World Youth Fund being my first big venture that like kind of put me on the map. Um, I, I really do think that that also comes from a big passion of mine, which is within social entrepreneurship. Yeah, talk a bit about um, the World Youth Fund. I think everybody yeah. wants to hear about it. Yeah. So, I mean, it started off as something called Canada Thinks, which was a nonprofit that um, my best friend in high school and I started. Um, and we basically wanted to go out and like revolutionize the conferencing industry because we were just sick and tired of people like hearing things from like an audience perspective and then just being able to ask like 15 minutes of questions. Uh, though in retrospect, I feel like that's actually just a great idea. <laughs> so I don't know. I always try to revolutionize it, but like still, I mean, I think what really came about it is we basically started conferences all across Canada and like Winnipeg, Halifax and Calgary. And we took all of that revenue and we put it together in one central fund. Um, and eventually I started to think that the fund actually was the biggest value proposition we had to offer to people. And so we kept the fund idea, but we basically broadened the scope of the conference to be anything from like a small project, like a bake sale to a big fundraiser, to a conference even. We're willing to accommodate all of those projects in our local chapters 
because we just wanted to build that fund up. And so eventually we got some interest from Bermuda, from Argentina, from places in the United States. Um, I basically leveraged my debate community that I've been you know, getting to know for the last five years by debating internationally. And I basically went through that process of building the fund up from a national youth fund to a world youth fund. Wow. Wow. Congratulations. It's, uh, it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's all about making a better world and, uh, and you're definitely doing that, but you were born in Singapore and you, Im- you immigrated to Canada at the age of 10. So obviously the hovercraft business was, was, uh, was an import business to Canada <laughs> export yeah. from Singapore. <laughs> Can you describe your journey as a, as a Canadian newcomer? I, I really don't like the word immigrant. And so I'll say newcomer and you know, how, how, how has that kind of uh, brought you to interact with the uh, entrepreneurship community in uh, in Canada and where else you're working? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I think, you know, uh, my parents and I are super grateful to this country just for the reason that it's, it's a welcoming country for at least for our experiences that we had. Um, immediately when I got into school, immediately when I started uh, my first business here, um, which was right before I joined JA even, the opportunities that people were willing to give me and the help that I got from teachers, from my mentors here in Canada were fantastic. Um, so really, I think the immigration process, if you want to call it that, was just seamless for me. Um, mm. It wasn't something that was that hard. Um, I think the only thing was, I, I, I do believe at the same time that I, I came in with an advantage from being from Singapore because A, competitiveness is ingrained in Singaporean DNA. Mm, like, interesting. Ingrained in in DNA, um, and so it made school really easy for me early on. Um, and the second thing I think is coming from a different perspective, where Singapore was growing into an innovation hub when I left, um, and I still engaged with that culture largely as a consumer, not as an owner, but. I still think that coming from that background and just seeing how industries can explode in a short amount of time gave me that added belief that I could do the exact same thing in Canada. Um, and I know and I know that was a bit naive, perhaps some people might say, but at the same time, I do think that perspective is so valuable in terms of motivating me every day to to continue to hustle, even at the age of 11 or 12. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. I, I mean, I, I, I love it. And uh, it really shows the importance of the environment by what you're being brought up and can significantly have a, a, have an impact on, on your, your choice in life. And so, I mean, you're, you're a prime example. And, and you, like you say, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know they, nobody put a plug into your, into your butt and then put the other plug into the outlet and said, there you go. You're <laughs> no. already, you're charged up. Way to go. No, it, it, it just happens through constant, constant connection with those stimuli. So I love it. It's very cool. And what goes to my head is that we got to do a, more, some more uh, work with the, uh, maybe doing some connections with Singapore to uh, get some oh, of this yeah. stuff happening. Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. 
Thank you to our sponsors. And we are back. You've, you've, you've been through a great journey and, um, but I'm sure there's been some, I mean, it sounds, I'm sounds like everything's a bed of roses for you. So, but I know that's not the case. Um, and so can you talk about your biggest failure? And I hate that word even as failure because it's, it can be such a positive thing too. So let's, let's put it as the biggest lesson that you've learned as an entrepreneur to date and how you've overcome it. And, you know, this isn't a, this isn't a life or death question, so don't worry if you if there's another one. But what's the one that comes to the top of your mind? So the one top of mind, I think, is, and, and this is something that I'm still grappling with. So I don't believe I've ever overcome it. And I actually don't hope that in my life I've over I over ever overcome it, um, because the the single biggest lesson I've learned is to not underestimate the short term. Um, so to not underestimate, I think the, the, the term, and don't overestimate the short term. Mm. And what I mean by that is I think a lot of times people want things to be done for themselves in one year, two years. I mean, you look at people who are getting onto like Instagram or Facebook and they're like literally posting something with a hashtag closing, like, like literally like shutting their nose, <laughs> clogging up their breath and just hoping that something happens, you know, mm. like someone sees their post mm. and reaches out to them. Mm. Right. And I think there's this huge overestimation of the short term and what it can do for you and a little attention being spent on building foundational pieces when you're younger that can really come to your service when you're looking 10, 20 years from now where you those like foundational pieces, those foundational lessons you learn will just become ever more important to you. So it's something that I continuously, you know, don't ever want to overcome uh, in the sense of, I think at the same time that I say it's very important to do that, I think it's also very important to just hustle and to move quickly and to feel that sense of urgency. Um, it's not something that should harm your health. I think too many 21 year olds are feeling like they need to be the next Mark Zuckerberg uh. and are just, you know, stressing themselves out and providing a lot of, you know, terrible things for, for themselves. Yes. Um, but I, I do think that sense of urgency to prove things that are reasonable, absolutely. I really do think you should have that sense of urgency and that sense of competitive fire. Um, and so that's why I think that I'm not going to underestimate, um, you know, how, what the long term can do for me. And I'm definitely not going to overestimate what the short term can do for me. But I, I do want to, as much as possible, make it seem like my mindset going in is that the short term can still provide something huge for me. Um, and I do want to continuously try to believe that in two years, I will be 10 times the person I was, not professionally necessarily, but personally um, that I was now. So wow. I definitely do believe that I can I can stay hungry while also respecting that the long term is something that I can concentrate on even now. A uh, couple of thoughts come out of that. Very, very amazing insight. First of all, your comment a little earlier was about, I think you're getting mature enough. I would recommend you never get mature. You only get wiser, but, but, but those comment, that comment, that insight you just gave us, man, is years ahead from your age. And from what I've had from a lot of people. And, and this is my second comment. I can just, you know, I, I can't wait for your parents to listen to your podcast and the smile that's going to come upon their face at this point in the conversation to, uh, to, to, uh, to really feel how proud they are about what you've done. And I know they are, but where you're going also. So, uh, wow. Amazing insight. And ladies and gentlemen, when you're listening to this, I would advise you right now to stop this podcast. Fortunately, it's recorded and rewind it to when we start started to ask that question, because it's uh, that's uh, that, that's that's amazing, amazing insight. And I, I know I got a gold nugget off of it. Thank you for sharing that. 
I now want to go a little bit back into you and swish the the 19-year-old uh, trying to balance school because people would say, what the heck are you doing in school, uh, first of all, with all this stuff going on? So, But you've decided to do that for your reasons, and that's what's important. And I think that uh, a lot of that has to do with, uh, you know, for example, your connection with the World Youth Fund based on your studies. Um, I uh, Can you can I have walk us through uh, a day in the life of swish and i'm and i'm not interested in your brush your you brush your hair before you go to uh, you go to school I, I don't need that detail i want to talk about the businessman the entrepreneur swish as to how he how he kind of brings that all together and uh, it, and it's not detailed i mean but ultimately in the recipe focuses that you have each day that keep your day moving forward definitely so i mean i always Firstly, assess my day whenever I go to bed feeling, did I do something meaningful? Um, and I, I don't know why, but for me, I love celebrating the small successes. Ah, um, brilliant. How do you I, do that? Yeah. How, tell us about that. That's brilliant. I, treat, I, I, I either treat myself or what I do is I'll put out um, a piece of content, like a written you know, piece of content that talked about what my success was that day and trying to inspire people to find their small success. Because, like people wait, you know, months and maybe they have an achievement that's huge, but like they forget that the journey is truly what the reward actually is. And like, that's something I enjoy so much. It's, you know, if people told me that you would instantly become a great entrepreneur, arguably it's like, maybe I'll take it, you know, maybe I'll take it for the the power you're able to get, the platform you get to be able to speak out and the money you'd be able to get. But like, I feel like I'd be an unhappy entrepreneur if I was directly allowed to become successful without any competition, without any sort of journey involved with it. Um, so for me, you know, like that's kind of what I do is at the end of the day, I look back and I think, what was the biggest small success I had today? And I celebrate it. You know, I'll, I'll treat myself out. I'll go and decide to take off an evening, for example, and be like, you know what? No calls or meetings or anything like that. I'm just going to go out and enjoy some time with my friends. So for me, I look at the five days. So Monday to Friday as my working days. Um, and I look at the weekend the same way that people who are in a job would also look at the weekend. So in the weekend, I do I guess, teenager stuff. I go out, uh-huh. I, I like I shop, I, I meet friends, I watch movies, that type of thing. But then during the work, you know, during the work days, it's for me, balancing school is definitely important. Um, I do it less than I wish I did. Uh-huh. But I mean, I'll wake up, I'll spend about an hour and a half on my phone just through going through social media, getting to know the news, getting to know, um, you know, like my two favorite news sources of the Wall Street Journal and looking at BBC. Um, and once I get my news, once I posted out my content for the day, uh, especially for the morning, um, I get up, have my shower, get out go to class. uh, And right after class, normally I finish all my classes around two o'clock. After that, it's, I have my in-person meetings all the way till six. That's where I always book my in-person meetings. And then in the evening, I actually like to come back home for a bit. Um, So I only do phone calls then. And in those phone calls, I either try to go on Skype or, you know, I use my phone, although my phone bill sometimes is a bit high, which my mom can definitely testify (laughs) to. Um, And, uh, and after eight o'clock, I'm done, you know, I'm done in the sense of I'm done all calling. I'm done anything to do with meeting people, uh, in a business sense, I'm done after eight. And what I do after eight then is I spend time on my own, um, consolidating my thoughts. I write a lot. 
I literally text myself more than my mom, my brother and my father combined throughout the day, just because I'm thinking of ideas or I'm seeing someone do something and thinking there's a simpler way of doing it. Or I just have something that I want to write down that I think I could add into my bio or add into my CV or talk to someone, you know, all of these ideas, I'll take about two hours at the end of the night to just go through my messages for that day and do it. And literally just send out the emails, answer the emails and go and actually try as much as possible to put myself out there and prepare for the next day. So that's literally a day in the life of me. You know, it's, it's not glamorous. I don't think it should be glamorous because entrepreneurship isn't glamorous in my opinion. Um, but I think the best part about it is it's raw and I'm working right now in the dirt. If you, if you know what I mean, it's like, I'm not working in this cloudy place where things are beautiful and it's heavenly and anything like that. It's I'm working in the trenches right now, day after day, trying to make something for myself. And yeah. that just feels really good. Yeah. And it's repeat, repeat, repeat and rinse, repeat, rinse. And it just can, can do it again and again. And you've created a process that works for your life, which includes all aspects of your life. And I always hate that life work balance. It assumes, it assumes that work isn't a part of life when reality what it is. So it's about life balance and, 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 uh, and good for you to do that. So I have to ask you permission, my friend. Can I steal that idea of uh, of writing my win for the day and asking my friends and family uh, what was their win for the day? Definitely. Please go for it. Awesome. I would love that. All right. There you go, folks. I've been granted permission. So don't come back <laughs> at me and say that switches idea. What are you doing with that idea? Because it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And, it, and it's going to challenge people to take that time to celebrate. And that's really what it's about. Um, uh, the the issue around being 19 has that uh, you know has has that been an impediment for you have you found that people sometimes might not take you serious because of that or you find out no, people don't really give a shit i think you know what it's a it's a double edged sword what i mean by that is i actually released a tweet that i didn't get flack for i don't think but like i got people questioning me on it and i think i still stand by my opinion i feel like the people i talked to like realized where i was coming from which was I don't like the fact that when under 21 individuals are telling people to take them seriously or like, don't consider what I can do based on my age, but at the same time are trying to promote themselves in a way of just being a young entrepreneur, you know? So whenever I promote myself, I don't promote myself. And they're like, you know, I appreciate, you know, like the award from Startup Canada, et cetera. Those are different. Those are recognitions. But, But the way I brand myself when I'm talking to someone is not, I'm a 19 year old entrepreneur. I just say I am a serial entrepreneur. And I think it's a little slit, like a little small difference. I can honestly show someone who you are and more importantly, what you consider yourself as, um, which is I consider entrepreneurship to be a full-time career for me right now. Um, and you know, of course school's in the way, but like at the same time, I I do think school can benefit you. I wrote a medium article on that. Um, but at the same time, it's, I really do think that age for me was definitely a factor growing up. You know, it was hard to get funding when you're a 14 year old kid. Sure. But I think the problems that young entrepreneurs put on themselves are not actually problems we should necessarily be caring about or be aren't problems that are truly problems in itself. And what I mean by that is so many 15 year olds are like, I need money for my idea. And then when I ask them now, what do you need money for? Mm. They don't know. They have no idea. They're just like, I need money. Right. And so people don't have those specifics down. And more importantly, people aren't willing to improvise and adapt to the market. I mean, one thing that I grew up with is my mentor told me that no one cares about your feelings. Like the market does not care about your feelings. And I know it's a, I know it's a ruthless thing to 
shame, but it's true. Yeah. You know, it's like the market's going to continue whether you like it or not. And so I think I've grown up in that tough environment where I just had to realize that my age might be a factor to some people, but I'm not catering to them. Yeah. You know, if, if they're not willing to have that meeting with me, I'll move on and I'll find someone else. Um, and at the same time, it's not saying that I don't respect them. But it's saying that I really do believe that entrepreneurship has become a field that young people can dominate at um, and that we're definitely the future leaders of tomorrow. But one thing I always try to say is we don't need to lead. We don't need to wait till tomorrow to lead. So that's all the things that I really believe in. And I, I don't think it's an issue as much for me anymore, but I can certainly see it being perceived as an issue. And, and that's why I do believe that if you do perceive it that way, think twice about what the problem actually is. And is there actually other ways I can circumvent it than just simply sitting down and whining? Yeah. And by the way, uh, it's hard to raise money when you're 59 also, not just when you're yeah, 18. Sure. So I, lo- I love your point. Yeah, absolutely. Look, before I forget, um, and we're coming near the end of the under, end of this wonderful journey, man. I appreciate it. I want people to know how to get a hold of the world youth fund can you give us some direction as to how that uh, happens definitely so our financing cycle is actually over for this year um but the way that we normally do it is we'll post an application link you can find me on linkedin i'll be posting the google applications link um and um, why don't you spell spell your name for everybody because um even though it's on the uh, the podcast the thing a lot of people be listening and so i just want to know make sure they get in touch with you that's all so actually, and this is going to be a big realization after 32 minutes, but I have another nickname. That I go with. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I see it here on your, uh, on yeah. your Skype. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my, my name on Facebook, on Instagram, on, you know, LinkedIn is Manu Goswami. So M A N U. And then my last name. Um, and so that's a lot simpler, I feel, for people to, to search up if they I want. Love it. Uh, so you can connect with me. And I'm also very reciprocative of like any like messages or anything like that. I love I love reaching out to people and I love people reaching out to me. So very cool. Um, very responsive. Yeah. All right, my friend. So we're uh, we've had a very intensive journey with you today uh, for all the right reasons. You're a guest on uh, on our show. Um, you've got uh, the last word. Uh, coast to coast entrepreneurs are waiting for your final line last words of advice or one word, whatever you feel is appropriate for, uh, for them. Um, over to you, sir. Uh, uh, very, very simply, the thing I've been trying to put out a lot is persistence pays off people. Um, and I really do believe that persistence is the combination of hard work and patience. Um, and those two are the barometers for success. You know, I, I believe I've touched it. I don't believe I've, I've, I've achieved success yet. And for a lot of the people listening to this, I think that a lot of them have touched success as well. Um, but if you truly want to attain your dreams, if you truly want to be able to attain your goals, um, there's just literally two things that you have control of every day. And that's being patient, realizing that the long term is something that you can build towards. And the second is putting in the work every day and putting that together. It's simply just called persistence. Love it. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Swarshus, a.k.a. Swish. A.K.A. Manu <laughs> Goswami, and he didn't spell his last name. It's G-O-S-W-A-M-I. My guest today, true rock star, 2016 winner of the Startup Canada Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. That's his most recent one. Many have come before. My great friend, I uh, look forward to uh, seeing you again real soon, and thank you for your time today. It's been a real my, my privilege to talk to you. Same here. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. 
Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Shira Barberstock, a proud Anishinaabe woman, academic and transformative social entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast. Do, do, do you still, is, is the mission still about business best practices for you as, a, as an organization, or are you just letting the dialogue go as a, wherever it might go with the network? with the people that are there participating from a conversation perspective? One of the things that we realized is that every, everyone has a different mission that they're working on. Mm-hmm. And, and didn't want to hold anybody back from doing that. For, for, some, nice. for some people, you know, they're trying to create a better support system for, uh, you know, Indigenous LGBT youth. For other, mm-hmm. for other people, they are trying to improve things with health and wellness. For others, it's entrepreneurship. So what we did is we actually opened up the Aguajo Network so that it could be more open. So that you, could, you could come as you are and, yep. and promote and, and work on whatever collaborations and projects that are important mm-hmm. to you not being defined mm. by us. Yeah, I love it. So it really became about life, not necessarily the life that you defined. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. We made it more open. And the other thing that was kind of interesting with Guaho Network was we, we had Indigenous people join from all over the world. So we have Indigenous people on there from Canada, the United States, Australia, and New Zealand. And on top of that, we also have a lot of non-Indigenous people that joined, which we actually found really interesting. And what we what we figure from that is there's actually a lot of Indigenous uh, non-Indigenous people that want to partner and collaborate and work with indigenous people and they're looking to the Aguajo network to help them make those connections. Isn't that brilliant? I love it. And it's when you talk about reconciliation, collaboration, connections, and so on. I mean, that's how it's all about, right? Is 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 bringing in many cultures and uh, and people as a social as, as part of that journey. Mm-hmm.